Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Started Up Podcast. Got a good episode for you today. I've got Fran Lockwood. She is the Chief Technology Officer at Valvoline and was really impressed by uh, her insights. One, I was excited to, to see a CTO and a female in that position, with especially a company as large as Valvoline. Um, but when I, I heard her at a keynote there in Indianapolis, she was talking about some of the things that Valvoline was looking into and where they were headed. And and I gotta be honest with you, when before she took the stage, I was like, huh, innovation and Valvoline, let's see. And I was gonna be skeptical. Uh, but I was really impressed with what they're looking into, um, some of the pivots they're making, and even their new model for customer service with oil changes. Uh, but also, you know, some of the emerging technologies and looking into other sources of energy other than just the traditional oil. So for those reasons, I really enjoyed not only her keynote, but this really awesome, candid conversation we had. So I'm not going to waste any more of your time. We're going to get right to it. Fran Lockwood of Valvoline. All right, now I am pleased to bring you Fran Lockwood. Fran is the Chief Technology Officer at Valvoline. Fran, thanks for, so much for being on the show. You're welcome. So Glad I heard to be you, here. Thank you. I heard you speak uh, when you were in Indianapolis, and I'm just going to kick it right off. I was, what I was thinking I was going to hear was about Valvoline, the oil company. Valvoline, what everybody knows about. And instead, you you went into a lot of things that Valvoline is starting to do, and we can get into that. But the core thing I want to start with is, it seems like you're trying to disrupt Valvoline and some of the things you're doing. Is that a good assumption? Well, in a sense, what what we feel our core businesses is serving our aftermarket consumers and our consumers uh, who are buying products for their vehicles. And we have to be agnostic about what that vehicle uh, may be in the future. Yeah, so let's get into that. I think that that's where I've been reading so many things and, and a, a lot of times people think that science fiction is just that, but science fiction is, and I'm borrowing this partly from Peter Diamandis, but science fiction is quickly becoming science fact. Tell us a little bit about some of the things you guys are starting to look forward and into. Well, of course, the obvious one is electric vehicles, but also the increasing levels of telematics in those vehicles and autonomy for the vehicles. And then, of course, you have society trends, more car sharing um, and changes in our entire power grid, which we also do some work uh, serving customers who supply the power grid. So there's just a lot of change going on and change, as you know, keeps happening more and more rapidly. Yeah. So I, I would assume that that's kind of some of the pressure that you have to deal with as the chief technology officer, you, you always have to have, have your finger on the pulse of what's changing. And, um, but break this down for, for the lay person on like battery technology in, in cars and why Valvoline wants to be a part of that. Well, of course, batteries, um, it's all about producing and well, storing a lot of energy and producing power on demand in as small a package as you can. And there's, because of the laws of thermodynamics, still always waste heat that has to be dealt with especially during uh, charging. So Valvoline 
supplies fluids to cool uh, battery systems, and we got into that pretty early. And it doesn't really matter whether you're thinking about a Tesla with a big electric battery, or you might be thinking about a fuel cell powered car, which is still essentially an electric car, and we supply uh, cooling fluids for fuel cells also. So we got into it really early. And then as the car population has been changing, we've been studying the special needs of fluids for those materials, but also how our services profile might change in the future. So if it's not an oil change, it might be something completely different. Yeah. And, and so what is, and, and if you can talk about it, but like what has been some of the focus for Valvoline with the battery technologies? Are you guys working with existing companies that are already in that arena or are you guys starting to do your own R&D? Um, well, we do mostly our own R&D in that area, but we also work with suppliers and we have introduced a line of lubricants for the transmissions, special greases, and we've also introduced the complete heat fluids, which are used to cool the battery. So we've already done that, but mostly for the future, we have to focus on how we keep that quick, easy, trusted service uh, for our do it for me customers. So there, we anticipate that with some of these future vehicles, there would be less do it yourself and more uh, going for service outlets such as installers, car dealers, or our Valvoline instant oil changes, which maybe in the future won't be so much about oil changes. But wow. probably we're talking pretty far in the future there yeah no i'm centered like there's two reasons why i'm 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 impressed by that like i didn't think about the coolant of the battery um because when i saw your presentation uh there were several things that i was like whoa i never thought of that but the even on the service uh because i I know you guys have a loyal do-it-yourself community uh like and i'm not pandering by any means but grew up with a car guy dad <laughs> and you you always did your own points and condensers you always did your own oil and if you didn't there's something wrong with you right <laughs> you you need to do it yourself right but as things become but you know in my time with my dad points and condensers were a thing timing belts were a thing you know you, this is something you could do and so i i like the fact that you guys are are being cognizant of your uh, uh how do i call them classic or, or um, early adopters back in the day, but are also right. knowing people's time is worth a lot. And I do have to say, and again, I'm really careful not to pander because I'm like, I'm not asking Valvoline for money, full disclosure. They have not sponsored this podcast. But my wife has been going to, and I'm, I'm probably assuming this is strategic, but my wife has been going to the new model Valvoline centers where I think on average, she's there for 11 minutes. Um, right. Is because I get I change my own oil, and so Alicia's like, "Hey, I want to." She's like, "I hope you're not mad, but I was really busy, and I want to the Valvoline oil change." There was mostly women there. She said, "Like the manager there was a woman, 
the woman changed the oil and then she's like there's a couple other guys it was a three bay system so she's she is now a a a loyal customer because she was really excited to see um female leadership positions here at the at the valvoline centers right well diversity is really important to us and i think if you talk to our human resources who hire the people for valvoline instant oil change they would tell you that the more the better uh, they like a very diverse system, and they do a lot of work around recruiting. Yeah, well, and <laughs> she said, like, the entire time that they were, like, again, for, for those of you that haven't been to one, you don't have to leave your car. Um, you're there, and then they go over everything, and they kind of do a multi-point inspection. And for the most part, they were just talkative. And so Alicia started asking questions about, you know, what was it like to work there, and they're yeah, happy to report that they were extremely excited there. And they said there's a lot of opportunity and that you guys are growing rapidly. And that uh, the lady there that was the assistant manager, um, so the manager was female, assistant manager was, and she's like, as soon as like another spot's open, I'm vying for that. So she liked the fact that there was opportunities there. So anyway, kudos to you. I don't want to make this sound like a commercial, so I'll stop with that. But uh, <laughs> no, so if you impress my wife, then, you know, that's awesome. But uh Oh, that's great to hear. <laughs> yeah, pass it along. So no, but but I also like the fact that yeah, you you guys are already looking for adaptability that the Valvoline centers might not be the same it could be the same location, but it could be a whole different kind of car, a whole different kind of technology and you guys are starting to bake that into each location. Um Right. So what we're going to stay focused on is how to make your life easier, quick and easy. So we probably won't be doing, you know, drop your car off and we'll keep it 24 hours kinds of services in those stores. But whatever can be done that it's easier for us to do it and we can do it quickly and then you don't have to think about it. Yeah, why not? Yeah. So let me hit on something else. And uh, having read, it came out last week and I had to literally sit it down and read it in one take. It was so impressive. Uh, Peter Diamandez and Stephen Kotler's new book, they were talking about just the consolidation that it's probably going to happen of car companies that with more ride sharing and more autonomous vehicles, you're going to have to like, you know, you don't have to have 30 different choices of cars when the car is there for you and you don't really have to own it. So are you guys starting to look at basically serving, servicing autonomous where it pulls up and it's ready to go and there's no customer? Well, we have a business today servicing fleets and essentially those cars will be parts of fleets which is what I imagine. But I, what I always tell people is don't try to predict the future but and don't try to especially predict when something will happen, but have enough path to your innovation strategy that you're flexible, that you can move right or left if you need to. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, that's a good point. I mean, if you're always waiting around for the next big thing and it takes longer or whatever, you're, you're playing a bet. Meanwhile, looking at the market conditions now and being adaptable is probably more important. That's, that's awesome. So what, right. what has been, and I'm, and I'm only thinking about this because like, if there's one thing I always hear is that big um, 
companies that have been around for a while have the disadvantage of not being flexible, uh, as nimble, or as innovative. How are you guys combating that? Well, that's what all the research uh, on research, I guess, has shown. But there are always companies that have broken that mold. And what I believe is that it's important to have what I call parallel paths of innovation. So you have your path of innovation against the core business, which is the today business. And then you should have a path of innovation against the potential tomorrow business. Yeah, that's literally why I wanted you on the podcast because I was listening to you and at, like you kind of went over briefly what Valvoline was. And obviously the event uh, was on battery innovation. So, you, you know, you, you were talking more about that, but that's what I was left with, with, wow, they're not just standing by on, this is what we've done. This is what we'll always do. But uh, more of, this is where the world is probably changing and we're going to adapt to it because I, mm-hmm. I, I see some places that they get um, mad or, well, this is just a stupid fad. We don't like it or that's never going to happen. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I understand like that, why that'd be a natural reaction. Um, I'm not going to say which company I was having a conversation um, not too long ago and it did, it led to anger and well, people are stupid kind of thing. Um, the fact that you guys are starting to come up with parallel paths that almost seem contradictory, I won't say contradictory, but without a doubt different than everything you guys have done before. Um, has, has Well, it's actually a lot of fun to do that. In fact, you have to be a little careful. You don't uh, go overboard. It's always great fun if you're in the technology game to get involved in a whole new subject, right? So, yeah. Uh, You know, I mentioned at that conference that we had even built our own electric car out of cobbled together parts for, and we did it for a good reason for testing some of our materials. But of course, it's tremendous fun to do things like that. (laughs) Well, that was going to lead to my next question. Um, When, uh, how, when you're poking the bear, (laughs) <laughs> preparing for the things that is does that cause some friction within your organization of you know instead of being beholden to what always was and i'm sure that there's a healthy reverence but obviously the innovator and disruptor can also be known as an agitator uh, how have you insulated against you guys being an agitator well i've been with the company for 25 years and i have good relationships with all my peers <laughs> so they give me a little leeway <laughs> one of my favorite subjects subjects is talking about space and going to mars and all those <laughs> so I'll, I'll tease and starting to talk about that but uh they're used to it and they're tolerant I guess of it. And like I said, as, as long as you innovate on the core path and keep them going on that, of course, I get very impatient uh, to get things implemented faster. Uh, so it's all about balance, right? Yeah. You can only do so much with people. People need a lot of training on their subject, especially in a retail business that, Part of the expertise of Valvoline is taking people who don't know a lot 
about vehicles and changing oil and so on and giving them great training and maintaining that training. So it's constant uh, reinforcement over and over. And that's an important skill that I think will serve us really well in the future because I do believe we might see more rapid changes. Like this is a great service to do for people today, but tomorrow it won't be. So here's the new one instead. So we're going to have to get faster. Yeah. And everybody's trying to gear up for that and understanding it, I think. Well, I think that's where I like the give and take. And, and even in your answer is like, yeah, they like me, but I've been here for 25 years, but I still am trying to agitate a little bit. Because I, I think that's the sign of something healthy is that not yeah. not being beholden, like what a good boy am I? I created something and it's always going to ride it out as opposed to, okay, this is great, but man, we need to adapt. You said Well, something. I'm sure that I, I could be the agitator in chief <laughs> instead of the chief technology officer. Well, but... but, but uh, well, but I think that, well, like, like I said, they seem to tolerate it. Well, and, and it sounds like it's built in, it's got to be built in from the culture up top. Otherwise you would be chief agitator and it, this, some of these changes wouldn't be adapting. Well, you've got to understand the pain of folks who have to deliver a P and L statement. And now we are a public company. So you have, in fact, we just did our wall street reporting this morning. Uh, for the quarter. So you've got to be sensitive to their challenges, what they're facing and their their difficulties and therefore needs to focus on their core business and get that done. Oh, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, like a dear friend of mine, um, I won't say his name, but he had said he was a co-owner and he said to the other owner, he says, if you're thinking about taking this public, I'm out because they were really good at making adept choices. And he says, the only thing that I couldn't take is people that wanted to think short-term and what their dividend was for this quarter and not what's best for the long haul. That well, friction. No doubt for public companies, that's a challenge. That's an ongoing challenge for right. sure. Yeah. And that's why I like where you sit, you know, in trying to push things forward and, and trying to be the innovative part that takes yeah, how, tell me about that. Like, that's got to be difficult as well as like, this is what's good and this is what's moving us forward later, even though it's not our cash cow now. Right. Um, I think everyone conceptually understands that when you tell it to them. It's, it's just getting around how busy they are with the today and trying to create avenues where you can take something off to the side and develop it. And then when it's ready, yeah, that, yeah, that was the relationships that's, that are needed to move it over. Well, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, how, like in a skunk works kind of thing. I mean, maybe a lot of your shareholders and your board knows that some of these things are going on in parallel, but it's kind of behind the scenes. So therefore, if the core business is doing well, there's kind of an understanding that you guys over there at skunk works are, are going to do your thing. Uh, but let's not disrupt the model too much. Is that kind of the feel? Pretty much. Uh, you know, everything has to be timed. So, in fact, I was teasing someone the other day that my my project I'm getting implemented is behind your project, so hurry up. 
because things get done sequentially. They have to, because like I said, you have to train those people and, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, pieces of the business have to do work. Yeah. All right. Let me also state the obvious. Um, and when I met you, we had talked about this a little bit. You were in a field where you don't immediately think of a woman. You're high C-suite level. Talk to me about um, trying to encourage more women into these leadership and C-suite positions that have been traditionally seen as male-dominated only. How do you break into that and how do you yeah, cross that threshold? Well, I think for everyone, it starts with skills. When you first start working, you have to have skills and you need to keep developing new skills. And what I try to encourage, not just women, but every person that I interact with to do is understand the business side, not just your channel, what you're working on, but what are the challenges in the overall business? What's going on in the marketplace? How do we make money? And what are the puts and takes from that? So I will talk to anyone on my staff at any level in those terms, just as much as I talk to them about technology, probably. Mm. Yeah, I, so that prepares them to start moving forward in their career. And then people are going to look for who can do the job. So if you can do the job, um, they'll be looking, but sometimes you have to raise your hand. It, let's weigh in on that. So I have two daughters of my own, um, complete opposite. The one daughter is raising her hand and shaking it and saying, hey, 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 over here. The other one is quietly doing the hard work, but what I fear is sometimes isn't signaling enough that I'm capable, I'm ready because of the, the, the passive nature. How do we, I'm not saying we need a nation of really overly aggressive firstborn daughters like I have, but how do we nurture and, and grow the, the, the passive girl that's got all the skills in the world but might be looked over because of the, you know, the, the lack of um, attention seeking, I should say. Well, uh, one thing I do with, a, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm agnostic as to the diversity of the individual, but in the way I think I treat people, but I um, encourage people who aren't as, communicative or, and of course I, I get people who English is their second language. So they also might have strong accents and struggle a little bit uh, there, but I always encourage them to do things like join the Postmasters club and practice speaking off the cuff and getting up and speaking. Um, I think is one thing I'll do regularly with people. And then I might say, okay, you know, what I view it is, I don't want to hire anyone who can't interact with customers coherently and confidently. So 
partly you're shopping for that, but sometimes things happen and you get someone who is shy, I guess, whatever. And I'll make them, uh, okay, you have to be at the home office sitting with this group at least two days a week or whatever. And then I'll tell everybody around, your job is to coach this person and talk to them. And um, and what I tell my direct reports is their most, their most important job is to protect the Valvoline brand name. Uh, but their second most important job is to act as mentors and coaches for all the other people in the group. And I mean all the people, not just the people who report to them. Mm. That's reminds me of probably one of my favorite quotes. Um, so being in education for 21 years, uh, when this Seth Godin had a quote that hit us so hard, and he said, education can be boiled down to two things, solving interesting problems and the leadership to get it done. In a lot of ways, that's what you're saying. You know, like, your job, literally, as chief technology officer, is solving future problems. And yet, what you circled home with, I expect everybody in our team to have the leadership to carry things forward. The leadership of you may not have the C-suite title, but you're a leader, and you're also mentoring the people that are that are you know upcoming. So I absolutely right. love that because again, like, you have said so much about your culture without using the word culture, and yeah, that's pretty that's pretty awesome. Here's another thing we do that I think really helps people. <laughs> As people want to get promoted and move ahead, in fact, when we interview people, we always ask them to, and this is in my group specifically, we always ask them to give a seminar, and I always say, just talk about anything you want to. It doesn't have to be technical even, but talk, pick something and tell us about it. And so you get a real feel for people that way. But occasionally you get people who get hired in and, then they get transferred or whatever, and they didn't go through that. And then they want the next level up, and they'll put in their resume for that job. And even if they've been working with us 10, 15 years, I'll say, great, give us a seminar. And they do. And I've got to say that some of our young, I shouldn't say younger, less experienced, um, newer folks just blow me away with the uh, things they put together. So I think it's working, but it's just encouraging people and putting them in a friendly environment where they don't feel intimidated when they first get started. Let me tell you. Or sign her up for acting lessons. That could work. <laughs> I always say, I wish I'd taken acting lessons. That would have helped me more than anything. <laughs> No, I have one of my former students said that the most important class he took in high school was the speech team. And uh, yeah, and that could be. <laughs> he said it prepared him a lot. No, the thing I like about your answer is uh, without a doubt, I, I am trying to work with more younger people to get out of that sense of sit and wait for academia to tell you you got an A and to start looking for opportunities and strategic plans. Um, I'm so happy to hear that your newer employees and, and, and people on your team are doing that. Um, too oftentimes I hear some grumblings that sometimes, not always, but sometimes great students and 
coming out of college were really great at school. And it's the need for looking at opportunities, the, the ability to problem solve and not necessarily for the letter grade. And uh, I'm glad that you guys are fostering that and you're finding that because that's, that's giving hope. And quite frankly, I, I think that there's been a lot of discussion. I think, you know, key people like, in my humble opinion, like Mike Rowe has done a lot for the discussion on, on skills. Um, and, and there's several others out there that are really, that are really starting to, to talk and, and talk about mindset and opportunities. But um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's refreshing to hear that you're starting to see that in a lot of your newer employees that they're looking out there for the next thing and that they're strategic and they're kind of looking forward. We try to also encourage people to develop what we call hands-on expertise. So we give them lots of opportunities. I'll give you this example. Uh, when we held our international meeting where we bring in people from all over the world uh, and go over all the recent developments in technology and some of the projects, we our team building exercise was we went out to our drivetrain laboratory and we set up all these cars with problems. And then we formed into teams and had people read the fault codes and basically solve the problems. So it's just a hands-on kind of thing, just trying to get them to um, think and solve a problem, but also a problem that maybe a customer will ask them one day. We don't know. Yeah. Well, Fran, uh, I want to thank you for being on uh, the show. Um, was just really inspired when I, when I heard you speak and uh, hearing, hearing about the, the culture and the mission and vision seems to make a, a great fit. I, I salute you in your journey and, and continued success as you guys one, still um, serve your customers of now, but then have your finger on the pulse of where things are going and learning how to adapt. Uh, so continued success and thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you, Don.